Hello, and welcome back to the All Things Dad podcast. I'm your host, Brian Krupp, father of four boys, married to one beautiful wife, and of course, a dad joke enthusiast. The purpose of this podcast is to cultivate stronger men who lead stronger families to create a stronger world. And today's topic is one that is near and dear to my heart, and that is cultivating the talents and interests of our kids. Now, as someone who grew up having a wide variety of experiences in sports, this is something that I wasn't, and sometimes still not, exactly sure how to navigate. So by nature, I'm a pretty competitive person, which means I love playing games and sports, and particularly, I am passionate about golf, baseball, and football. Now, if you ask someone who knows me well, they would tell you that they could find me constantly practicing my golf swing, even without the golf club in my hands. And like many guys, I like to keep track of recent sports events and news stories. And this passion for sports trickles down to my boys. For example, last year during the NFL playoffs, we set up a bracket for each kid to pick the team they thought would win and to then root for that team throughout the playoffs. Now, as our oldest kids started to be four, five, and six, they started playing soccer and baseball. And by nature, to be completely transparent with you, my expectations were high. I wanted my kids to excel, to be the best, but of course, also to have fun and all that. Since starting the journey of getting them into part district sports, I've learned a lot about my natural disposition and what my kids actually need from me. I've also learned that traditional part district sports are not the only place for them to learn valuable life lessons and to learn the value of hard work and teamwork while getting their exercise in. Now, I want to run through a sequence of five best practices as I've been learning in cultivating the interests and the talents of my kids while teaching them valuable life skills to set them up for success later in life in a way that causes less stress for everyone involved. So the first one is to curate opportunities and experiences. Like I said, when my kids came of age to start playing group sports, my bias was heavily tainted by things like soccer and baseball. But if I were to do it over again, I might shift the strategy. I think one of the most important skills of being a parent is being a curator of experiences. Kind of like a curator of a museum takes a visitor through a journey upon seeing all the pieces of art, which will eventually culminate in feeling inspired and better for it, the parent takes a kid through a similar experience with experiences they have growing up. My older two played soccer and baseball. The younger of the two gravitated towards soccer, and the older one honestly didn't like either. And this has been a huge learning for me. Honestly, I was of the mindset that they have to learn commitment and they have to give these sports a chance before giving up on them. And while I'm right to some extent, at this age of five to nine, you know, these kids are just out there to have fun and to gain confidence in their abilities. My goal isn't to teach them to grind it out, but to expose them to various activities and sports and to see what talents emerge, what's inspiring them to keep going. And that kind of leads us to our second best practice which is to identify talents and interests. Now, through this lens, we can start to keep a journal of what sparks show up. In what activities do I see my kid losing the sense of time, just totally wrapped up in that activity? What elements of that activity are involved? In the book, Strengths-Based Parenting, the authors describe four indicators of budding talent. The first is yearning. Second, 
rapid learning, third, satisfaction, and the fourth, timelessness. So yearning, rapid learning, satisfaction, and timelessness. Yearning is just what it sounds like. Your kid constantly sounds like they want to do that activity over and over again. They're always asking, when can I do that again? When can I play the piano again? When when can I go play soccer again? The next is rapid learning. You notice that this activity doesn't take long for my kid to learn, and they're actually learning at a faster rate than others. The third one is satisfaction. So in what ways is my kid feeling satisfied or fulfilled doing this activity? Maybe after they complete a hard task, maybe it's a hard note in the piano, or maybe it's a hard skill with soccer. And after they do it, like, wow, like they, they, they look really satisfied. And then they get home, they say, wow, that felt so good to do that. The fourth is timelessness. And this is where you can just tell that there is no sense of time. You know, for example, my eight-year-old, I was learning to do a Rubik's Cube. And I can tell you right now that he would spend... Uh, you know, hours just learning it and doing it. And he kind of just lost sense of time in the same way he would read at night and he would read from 7.30 to 10 and it would be like a second for him. So those are four indicators of budding talent is, is your kid yearning for that? Are they learning quickly? Do it feel, does it look like they're satisfied with it? And do they, do they lose a sense of time? Now, some other examples, you know, my six-year-old son could spend a day in and out drawing, coloring, making crafts. He loves doing puzzles. And one of the key attributes I see is his patience. He can put in the hard work to create something. He's also great at putting two disparate objects together to create something more complete. In soccer, I see him thinking about where the ball is going and running to that point, not always just where the ball is. Now, my eight-year-old, like I said, spends hours learning how to do Rubik's Cube. He has amazing memory and loves figuring out the algorithm. He also is really good at rock climbing. He's good at plotting out his next steps and creating his strategy for getting up the wall. And lastly, this kid could read for three or four hours at a time. Sometimes you really have to remind him to get his sleep because he's reading until 9 or 10 o'clock at night and he needs to get his rest. And like I said, my four-year-old can spend hours mowing the lawn, obviously pretending he's not actually mowing with my mower, but I can already tell he loves being outdoors and working with his hands. Now my two-year-old, Well, he loves everything right now, but I'm starting to see him drawn to throwing balls and even things that aren't supposed to be balls everywhere around the house. Now, in both of these examples, we see examples of a spark, an area that this kid can thrive and spend time without getting exhausted. Which leads us to our third best practice, which is to nurture potential early on. Now that we see these passions and the interests emerge, my wife and I are investing in them. So for my younger son, who likes drawing, coloring, puzzles, we set him up for experiences for him to do more of that. For example, we'll set up a craft day where he gets to go spend a day with my mom, who also loves to do crafts and art. We buy tools and activities for him to do more, more of that with. My older son, he learned to do how the Rubik's Cube with him, and I was able to help encourage him along the way. My brother-in-law is an amazing coach and also enjoys rock climbing, so we set up regular dates for him to take my oldest to go rock climbing. And the key is, like Marcus Buckingham, Marcus Buckingham once famously, famously said, is that we are being intentional to draw out what was left in, not to put in something that was left out. I'll say it one more time. That we are being intentional to draw out what was left in, not to put in something what was left out. This is the idea of, okay, 
this kid has innate interest, innate talent in this area. How can I draw more of that out, not try to force something else into it? And we'll cover that a little bit later. Now, our fourth best practice is no matter what activity or sport it is, is how are we integrating important life lessons? A key integral piece in whatever activity or sport that we curate for our kids is ensuring they're learning valuable life lessons. For example, one of the reasons that I and so many other people love golf is, of course, for the obvious reasons of being in nature and competing, but it's also because there are apparent life skills that help me be a better person. For example, in golf, it's all about respecting other people around you. When someone else is teeing off, you don't talk during their backswing. You learn to socialize and ask good questions and keep a conversation. You learn to be encouraging. You also realize that golf is like life. You can do everything right, but still get a bad break. And you have to bounce back from it. You have to be honest in keeping your score. Obviously, I could go on and on, but you get the picture. Or maybe it's music. Your kid can learn the benefit of discipline, consistency, and hard work. The little progress they make day after day amounts to being able to create something beautiful. They learn amazing hand-eye coordination that will set them up well for future life activities. Maybe it's the boy or girl scouts. They learn valuable skill sets and contribute to their communities. You get the picture. Whatever the activity your kid is doing, do your best to have meaningful conversations with your kid to draw out those life lessons. Of course, I love winning, but what's more important is that my boys learn the important virtues of hard work, discipline, teamwork, honesty, integrity, and caring about the bigger picture than simply just beating the other team. All right, finally, number five is to keep your biases at bay. This is a really hard one for so many of us, including myself. Look, we all have things that we love and we are drawn to. And it can be really easy to project those things onto our kids. And even though they share our DNA, your child is their own person. My child is their own person. Your job and my job is to draw out those talents, not just to fulfill our own dreams through our child. We kind of have to think of our job as a coach. You're not, we're not the player in the game. We're the coach who has to constantly identify the talent on our team and find ways to put that to good use. We are that talent scout for our kids and respecting what they are drawn to and making space for that to thrive, to find opportunities for them to engage. Now, honestly, this has been a challenge for me at times. I'm drawn to sports like baseball and golf and football, like I've said, and obviously I talk about them a lot. It's so funny when we are driving down the road and I see a golf course, I always point it out. And my kids are, are always tell me, say, Dad, you don't always have to call every golf course. But of course I do. So naturally, my kids will have an awareness of my passions, of my interests. And that's okay. But the moment I make them feel pressured into doing those things over other things that they are naturally drawn to, I've lost that big, big idea. When I try to fulfill my own insecurities, through their success, I've set them up for failure to meet expectations that are impossible to meet. When I try to push them harder with unrealistic expectations, I've destroyed their confidence. So I encourage you and invite you to start making a list now of your own talents, of your interests, the things that you love, and now think about those. In what ways are you letting that bias play into your kid's life? In what ways are you interacting with your child that may be influencing their development? This isn't necessarily a bad thing, 
but it is something to be aware of. How are your biases either helping or hindering your child's ability to flourish with their God-given talent? So to recap, those five best practices are to one, curate opportunities for and experiences. Second, to identify talents and interests. Nurture potential early. Integrate important life lessons and keep your biases at bay. If you're into mnemonic devices, you can use the word cynic to remember those five ideas. Curate opportunities, identify talents, nurture potential, integrate important life lessons, and keep your biases at bay. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the All Things Dad podcast. We'll see you next time.